Welcome to Fertility and Sterility on Air, the podcast where you can stay current on the latest global research in the field of reproductive medicine. This podcast brings you an overview of this month's journal, in-depth discussion with authors, and other special features. FNS on Air is brought to you by Fertility and Sterility Family of Journals in conjunction with the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and is hosted by Dr. Kurt Barnhart, Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Eve Feinberg, Editorial Editor, Dr. Micah Hill, Media Editor, and Dr. Pietro Bordaletto, Interactive Associate-in-Chief. Welcome all of the fertility and sterility listeners. This is a special episode of FNS on air. This is a microdose podcast. The first time we're ever doing this uh, for the holidays at the end of 2023. We've got two outstanding authors from a really important paper in the December issue of FNS. We're talking about fertility outcomes in men with prior history of anabolic steroid use. And I want to introduce you to the first author, Brian Ledesma. He's a research fellow at the urology department at Miami. Brian, welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Please call me Micah. This is informal. I appreciate it. And the senior author on this paper is not new to our audience. Uh, This is Ranjith Ramasamy. He is the uh, fellowship director of the Urology Reproductive Fellowship in the University of Miami. The prior Rosenwax Young Investigator winner for FNS has hundreds of publications and a big research team. Ranjith, thank you for uh, both publishing this paper and being a guest with us today. Thanks, Micah. Thanks for having me and and look forward to uh, chatting you with a bit about uh, steroid abuse and all of its possible ramifications. Yeah. So this is such a great topic. And so Ranjith, you have a lot of grants. You do a ton of research, both basic science and clinical uh, with your team. Why did you guys decide this was an important question? Give us the background on this. Sure. So um, steroid abuse seems to be growing as an epidemic. I think what we recognize within fertility is a small sliver of the actual number of adolescent and young men actually using steroids. Most of these steroids that are being used by people both within this country and possibly outside as well are are probably not coming through a prescription. It's actually being used by friends, by neighbors, by, uh, by buddies at the gym. And so what we are capturing and what we understand that as a potential use and all of its ramifications as a problem is a very small sliver. So we really wanted to delve to what its impacts on fertility are, recovery are in this population of men. That's great background. So Brian, you're uh, working on this with uh, Ranjith. So given that backdrop, what was the objective uh, and how did you go about answering this from a research standpoint? So the main goal was basically to study the sperm parameters, recovery, and the fertility outcomes. Because I think we've seen a different types of papers in the last couple of years talking about the sperm parameters and how they change after doing a standardized treatment, which is basically clomid and HCG. But we didn't know if that actually correlated with, you know, successful pregnancies in the end. So we not only try to study how the semen analysis was changing as we were treating these patients and doing the follow-up, but we were also studied retrospectively couples who received treatment in the last five years. And we inquired basically on pregnancy outcomes. If they did, you know, achieve a successful pregnancy and if they did so, how did they do it? Was it naturally or did they pursue any type of ART as well? Because that was a big question that we wanted to find out. 
Great. So yeah, in reading this, it looks like you're you're looking at men with a history of anabolic steroid use and then looking at both their changes and their semen parameters and then and then what their reproductive outcomes were. I noticed you guys did some uh subgroup analyses. So you looked at men whose sperm count went from less than five million or maybe severe oligospermia to greater than 15. You also looked at those who were azospermic on anabolic steroids and whether they recovered any spermia, essentially. Can you sort of explain to us clinically why why you looked at those two changes in parameters? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when we started, we we had a basically a spectrum of semen analysis. We had men who were completely azospermia. We had people with severe oligospermia, regular oligospermia, and then even patients who were normospermic at the time of that we contacted them. So we wanted to see for a clinical standpoint Basically, there are different ways to approach and different therapeutic options that you can use based on the concentration. If you're azospermic, then and you receive a standardized treatment, then and you remain azospermic, which was the case for almost 30% of our patients, then I guess from a urology standpoint, then you would proceed with a microtesty depending on the um, it's a surgical option, therapeutic option that we will pursue. If you had severe oligospermia then it also depends, can we do insemination instead of like doing a microtest and doing a straight IVF? And then if the concentration was a little higher, then we would counsel them on practice, like safe practices to achieve a natural pregnancy. Yeah, that's fantastic. What One of the things, of the many things I loved about this paper was that you used those very clinically meaningful changing and what we can do for these men. So these are men who have been on anabolic steroids. You're trying to recover them. You're using things like Clomid and HCG, as you described. So what did you find? What happened to these men as they tried to recover sperm function? So we started with our cohort of males, basically young guys, median age. I think it was uh, between 36, 37 years old. So it was a group of young people, young men, and most of them were azospermic. And then we were doing follow-ups. And then we found out after receiving the standardized treatment, a third of them still remain azospermic at, the, at different follow-ups. And then 33% of them were able to move basically on the spectrum between being azospermic to severe oligospermia. And then that's clinically that has an, you know, an impact because then you can, the therapeutic options that you can offer them kind of like are a little wider than if they remain azospermic. And then about... I'd say 5% of them were the only ones who actually became uh, normal spermic. And then the counseling was different Then it would be you could try having a natural pregnancy. So I guess the conclusion so of like seeing these people move through the spectrum was that even if we do everything that's right and you receive appropriate medical treatment, uh, there was a possibility, a big one, basically that one, you would remain like 30% of those patients, you would still remain azospermic. And two, the second possibility, if you fall on, you know, in the 30% in between is that you will recover sperm, but it will not be enough for a natural pregnancy. So even if you do recover it after getting treatment, medical treatment, you just got to keep in mind that you probably will not achieve, you will probably not achieve a natural pregnancy and you will still require further medical treatment to achieve a natural, like a pregnancy in general. So Brian, what you just said is what sort of uh, blew my mind when I read this study. Like, I knew, obviously, we knew that uh, anabolic steroids have long-term consequences for sperm production, but the fact that roughly a third of men remained azospermic and roughly another third would still need ART, even if you get some sperm, that percentage, at least from my perspective, is is what was really 
uh, insightful from the study. Ranjith, big picture, when you looked at these data, what did you think? What surprised you? What did you expect? We were we were very surprised because, you know, so far studies have always looked at truly recovery of spermatogenesis. And 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 recovery of spermatogenesis was always viewed as a as a as a yes or no outcome. Are these men recovering sperm, yes or no? And I think historically studies have gone up to anywhere between 80 to 90% of men will recover sperm back in the ejaculate. But I think this this study, and I'm happy it 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 got published in FNS, truly highlights that, that the recovery is not perfect. And people always think that, oh, I had 100 million sperm at one point, I'm going to go back and use steroids, and then I will go back and recover my 100 million, I think is 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 probably not true. I think there are long-term impacts on both pituitary function, which anabolic steroids do. But I think what we are understanding from this study is that there are testicular impacts of steroids, uh, which don't seem to recover. And I think we, we just need to be aware of that and also have set expectations for these couples that we see in clinic. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to get sperm back, but there's a pretty high chance we may still need to do some form of assisted reproduction, especially if you're going to start from azoospermia with no sperm in the ejaculate, or you're going to start from very low sperm counts, which is severe oligospermia, which is less than a million per cc. We truly wanted to look at that population of men. We weren't very interested in people who had normal spermia or even oligospermia, uh, but we wanted to specifically look at the cohort of men with who had either azoospermic with no sperm or less than 1 million per cc, which was already rendering them to possibility of IVF. How many of these guys actually recover at three and six months and and with appropriate medical therapy. Right. Amazing data. My last question is just really big picture. So I've been an army doctor for 25 years. So it's fairly abused or used in my male population. I was recently in Dallas with a friend and we we drove into a tea clinic. And so I just Googled it today and I found over 25 testosterone clinics. If you just search that in, in just the Dallas metro area. So obviously there are men that feel low libido, feel low energy. Uh, we have celebrities, Frank Thomas, uh, you know, other people advertising testosterone boosters. What's the message that we need to get out there to men who maybe have these things, but don't understand about the fertility aspects? How do we get that message out? What is that message? I think I think there are two separate messages. Uh, I mean, let me even go one step beyond the T-clinics that you mentioned, Micah. We're now having testosterone therapy delivered to your house with an online consultation where you don't even need to go see a doctor. And there are clinics that charge $300 to $400 a month and patients subscribe to testosterone therapy with with blood tests and and, and testosterone delivered to their house. I think that the, the important message to understand is if people have not completed their family and are thinking about reproduction, at least get your fertility checked. Think about freezing sperm before you start testosterone therapy. And make sure you're starting testosterone therapy for the right reasons. And then for the couples that are now coming off of testosterone therapy, and now and and there are uh, hopefully a lot of the audience uh, for this podcast are fertility physicians, set expectations and counseling goals correct. If a man is azoospermic, which we all see regularly, both as reproductive urologists and as reproductive endocrinologists, I think we just need to make sure that even despite medical therapy, that there's a pretty high chance that they will need some form of artificial reproduction at three to six months after starting hopefully appropriate medical therapy. And I think, I think there are two separate messages to two separate audiences. I don't think steroid abuse is drug abuse. 
But I think there are lots of ramifications uh, that happen from steroids that we are truly not capturing at all because it's almost marketed as vitamin T in these men's health clinics. And it's almost becoming routine. Some are captured, like we talked about at the beginning. Some are, most of them are not captured. And especially this is happening in adolescent and young men where, you know, this is not under purview of medical care. And I think we just need a lot more counseling, a lot more awareness. And people just need to understand that it is a steroid. Testosterone is a steroid. Let's not minimize that. And we just need to make sure that we understand that every steroid, when it's used long-term, has side effects. And people just need to be aware of that. Incredibly well said, Ranjith. I don't think we need anything else to close that. Brian, Ranjith, thank you for this incredible research that you did and for publishing it in Fertility and Sterility. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our listeners. We wish you happy holidays as we close out 2023 and appreciate this first episode of the microdose of FNS on air, where we get behind the scenes with two expert authors. Uh, happy holidays to all of our listeners. This concludes our episode of Fertility and Sterility on Air, brought to you by Fertility and Sterility in conjunction with the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. This podcast is produced by Dr. Molly Cornfield and Dr. Adriana Wong. This podcast was developed by Fertility and Sterility and the American Society for Reproductive Medicine as an educational resource and service to its members and other practicing clinicians. While the podcast reflects the views of the authors and the hosts, it is not intended to be the only approved standard of practice or to direct an exclusive course of treatment. The opinions expressed are those of the discussants and do not reflect fertility and sterility or the American Society for Reproductive Medicine.